In this episode of the Simple is the New Smart podcast, we are talking about reluctant learners, and we're talking about them because they are incredibly common when we're homeschooling, and I know that it is something that is not unusual in our own home. I already made a YouTube video about two practical ways that I work alongside our reluctant learners a lot more easily, so I want to direct you to our show notes, especially this week. That's at www.zaraphd.com forward slash minimalist dash homeschooling dash podcast dash seven. And there you'll find a link to that video. But for now, let's get started with nine other ways that we can tip the scales towards doing what we love. Welcome to the Simple is the New Smart podcast. I'm Zara Fagan, PhD, author of Minimalist Homeschooling and the creator of the Simple is the New Smart membership. And this is the place where we talk about how less really is more and how simple really is the new smart. This is the place for any homeschooler who wants to trade stress, exhaustion, overwhelm, and self-doubt for peace, clarity, confidence, and a sense of true abundance. It turns out that transforming our mindset really can transform our homeschools and our lives. We'll talk tips and strategies, stories and perspective, and interview people who have lessons to teach us. And I am just so happy that you're here. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello and welcome back. I'm so happy to be talking to you today about doing more of what we love and specifically helping our children love homeschooling. We're going to talk a lot today about those reluctant learners and how we can apply minimalism ideals in order to help our reluctant learners love homeschooling a little bit more. So first, let's talk about minimalism a little bit more. Minimalism has become synonymous with purging and decluttering, simplifying, non-consumerism. I talk about that a lot in this podcast. However, it's really important to me that we are clear the purging and simplifying are the means to the end. In reality, the whole point of minimalism is to fill your space with those things that are most valuable and to fill your time with the things that are most valuable, either because they're truly necessary or because they're truly loved. And when we're talking about homeschooling, the whole point of this is not to purge, declutter, simplify. The whole point of minimalist homeschooling is to fill our days with things that are most valuable. So minimalists want to fill their space with only the most important things. And in order to do so, they purge and declutter the less important things. In the process, space and routines and everything else gets simplified and they cease to buy so many things. And therefore, minimalists live with less because they have the perfect amount of what they love and need. So the rule of minimalism is not simply live with less, but the rule of minimalism is live with the perfect amount of what you need and love. It just so happens that to get to that perfect amount of things, we often need to get rid of the extra simply because we live in a society that has become accustomed to living with extra. Minimalism sometimes gets reduced to the actions that we use to achieve minimalism, but the outcome, the motivation 
behind it is not just decluttering your books, purging your craft supply. We're not focused on dogmatic rules that you must educate with less. Simplifying and purging are merely a way to accomplish our main goal, which is to fill our homeschool with the perfect amount of the most important things, both what is necessary and also what is loved and no more, which in turn allows us to love homeschooling more often. So that's why today we are taking the time to talk about really loving our homeschool because otherwise, guys, what is the point, right? There is no value behind purging just for the sake of somebody told you you need to purge. The motivation behind this is so that we can embrace our homeschool and have a certain freedom in our homeschool, a certain confidence in our homeschool. Talking about doing what we love, using what we love, filling our space with what we love, filling our days with what we love is really great. And I want to give you some practical insight today about how this applies specifically when we have reluctant learners. Today, I want to talk about our choices, the choices that we make. Our lives are a compilation of millions of small little choices that add up to the sum of where we are right now. And the same is true of our homeschools. Our homeschools don't merely exist as the result of a single choice, but they exist in their current state because of many choices that we have made all along the way. And we can continue to make new and different choices as we go along. So when we're thinking about how to have a homeschool that we truly love, I want you to think about having a a scale, a balance right? Where on one side, it's the unloved things. Because I hear this a lot. Zara, I want my kids to love homeschooling, but there are some things that they just have to do, right? I don't love mopping my floor, but it has to be done. Bathrooms have to get cleaned. It's not practical to just do only things that we love all day long. And my kids have certain things they're going to need to do that they're not going to love, right? So on the one side, we have sort of the unloved items. We probably feel that they are necessary, but nonetheless, they're not really bringing a lot of joy and love to the homeschooling experience. On the other side of the scale is the things that do bring joy and love to our homeschooling experience. And so when we're talking about this today, I want you to think about tipping those scales towards a more joyful, more loved homeschool experience. I'm not saying that we can get rid of everything that sort of brings us misery. That's part of life, right? There are always going to be things that stress us out, things that we have to do that we don't really enjoy doing, but we can tip the scales towards love. There are two main ways that we do that. We either add more love and joy to our homeschool, or we remove some of the unloved and unjoyful things right? So there are two ways that you can tip the scales. You can either remove things from one side or add to the other side or some combination of both. So today I'm going to talk about nine ways that we can approach reluctant learning from this perspective of love and loving our homeschool. Because we talk about love a lot in homeschooling. We want our kids to love learning. We want to love our days and our time with our kids, right? So number one, we always can come from a place of love, right? Come from a place of understanding with our children. If they are being reluctant, number one is to figure out 
why, understanding why they're reluctant. A lot of times there are learning disabilities. There could be just a lack of developmental readiness. Our children just aren't ready for it yet. There could be something going on with them that day. Maybe they're hangry. Maybe they're tired. Maybe something upset them. Maybe they're distracted by something else. And if we meet those needs first, then they're more receptive to whatever it is that we're presenting, right? So number one, come from a place of love and understanding every single time they're reluctant. Now, once that's all taken care of, I know I have experienced, and I believe many homeschoolers have experienced, that our children are relatively fine, right? There's nothing big going on. They just don't want to do it. They're developmentally ready because you know they can do it, right? And you know that there's no learning disability. You've ruled those things out, but they still are digging in their heels and they don't want to do it. So let's go on to the next things. So number two, a big component of children enjoying the learning process is their own self-confidence. So number two, I would say loving themselves. Children, especially if they are new to homeschooling, if they have not had an experience where mistakes are okay, where their acceptance isn't based on their performance, right? If they haven't had a mentor to student relationship and it's always been from a position of authority to an inferior, like superior, inferior sort of authority model. So number two, I want to say is going to be help our children love themselves. A lot of times when we see reluctance in children, it's actually because of a lack of confidence or a fear of making mistakes. If they have not had enough experience in a positive way, that it's okay to not know something, that it's okay to make mistakes, that it's okay to not be perfect. Maybe you have a child who is innately a perfectionist. And in this case, there are a lot of resources out there to help children with their growth mindset. And we as teacher parents can get better at empowering our children to love themselves and to have the confidence to try new things, right? Number three, we can love our children's autonomy. We can operate from an understanding that they have free will, that they have desires, that they are very independent. They are whole, complete human beings with ideas of what they would like to do, what they would like to spend their time doing, right? And the best analogy I can give you here is employees who are required to go to a meeting. Their employer schedules a meeting and everybody goes and the employees see no purpose of this meeting. They feel like it's a waste of time. And what do they do? They resent their employer. They think their employer doesn't know what they're doing. They, the employer loses a little bit of their employee's respect, right? Because now these employees leave the meeting and they're grumbling about what a waste of time that was. And they resent that their time was wasted. Well, our children are no different. If we require them to spend their time doing something, we have to let them know that this has value. And we have to be careful that it actually does have value. I guarantee that no employer schedules a meeting with the intention of wasting their employees' time. That's not their intention. But perhaps they did a poor job executing the meeting. Perhaps they did a poor job conveying the importance of the meeting. And so when I'm talking about reluctant learners and how to employ more love into what we do, we need to love that our children are 
are autonomous and individuals. We need to love that they have free will and love their autonomy and listen to them. At the same time, we can also do better oftentimes telling them the value and why it's important to us. And we can also check ourselves and not do things that are not truly valuable, right? So that's a lot of not. Make sure what we're doing is truly valuable, right? So that we're not wasting their time so that they don't feel that way and they don't resent us and they don't start to lose a little respect for us, right? Okay, so we need to love that they have free will. We need to love that their time, their free time is valuable to them. And we we need to recognize the effort that we're requesting of them. All right, number four, this is something I think homeschoolers in general are amazing at, but I think it bears repeating so that if you're running into reluctant learning experiences, number four is we can do things in a way they are most likely to love. The spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, right? If our children don't really want to learn a topic, but they prefer read-alouds, if they prefer videos, if they prefer hands-on at a museum, we can do our best to present it in a way that they love learning it. And that way we tip the scales towards having a more lovable homeschool. Number five, we can focus on a loved end result. We may not love cleaning, but we may love a clean house. We may not love the process of learning math, but we love what we can do once we know that math. We love how many opportunities it offers or the things that we can build so we can focus on a loved end result. And in that way, we can sort of accept the journey a lot easier when we know that there's an end result to look forward to. Number six, we can mix in needs and loves. So... One thing that happens too often in a school setting or sometimes even in a homeschooling setting, and there's no shame in this, is that we focus on weaknesses. We think they're really struggling with X, Y, or Z, and therefore we're going to spend extra time on it. And so what happens is, is that the focus and the children's time gets devoted to a weakness. It gets devoted to a need more often and more heavily weighted, right? That balance, that scale is now weighted more towards what is necessary, but unloved. And so what we can do is constantly keep an eye on those proportions. We can definitely stick with weaknesses without letting them overpower the loves. And you're going to know in your homeschool what the right proportion is between needs and loves, but definitely work very hard not to let those weaknesses, right? Which is a lot of times represents an insecurity on our part as the parent teacher that we may somehow be failing them because they have this weakness in this one area. And instead we can accept that we're not all great at everything. God has designed us to be individuals and God has given each of our children their own strengths and their own weaknesses. And absolutely we want to help them be the best that they can be, but that does not mean ignoring their strengths for the sake of their weaknesses. That does not mean focusing on their weaknesses at the expense of their strengths because their strengths are where they are going to impact the world not their weaknesses. So make sure that we're keeping an eye on the proportion of needs versus loves. Okay, number seven, 
this should be pretty obvious, but guys, let's purge the unnecessary. If it's not really something that you're getting excited about, and it's not something that's really totally necessary, it's okay to remove it, especially when we use the caveat for now. It's okay to remove it right now to make more room for the things that are loved. This has made a huge difference in our homeschool. As soon as I told my oldest child especially, these are the non-negotiables and therefore you will have more time to do the things that you really love, His entire perspective changed and our relationship, our working relationship totally changed because it's important for us to simply make room. Make room for the things they don't even know that they love yet. Make room for the things that they do know that they love. Just make room. If something doesn't fit into one side or the other of your scale, right? If it's not completely necessary or completely loved, then maybe you need to purge that right now to make room for more of what is love. You don't need to weigh down that unloved side with stuff that isn't even necessary. All right, number eight is love your environment. So how do you want your space to feel? And perhaps more importantly, how would your kids love their space to feel? Do you want it to be bright? Do you want it to be airy? Do you want it to be comfy or cozy or functional or organized? How do your kids operate best? If you put out new supplies, if you clean up the old markers and put out some fresh new markers, there is an energy that comes with that, right? There's an energy and it's a positive energy and it's a loved sort of energy. I love the new markers or I love the new space or I love how you organized it or it's just a sense of being relaxed or feeling creative or feeling confident or feeling like things are simple and not overwhelming. And we instinctively know that our space matters. Whatever it takes to love your environment, to make your environment feel more inviting, and you don't have to spend a lot of money here. You can use what you already have or you can remove things if you have way too much in your space, or you can rearrange things or just simply organize things, clean it up, tidy it up, add more light. Simple things can make a huge difference. And then number nine, and the last one, I think is very important. Love no matter what. We are in this for the process right? When things go wrong or people are having a bad day and those aren't interruptions, those aren't roadblocks. That is just life. That is life. And we get to choose whether we are going to love each day as a gift and love our children as gifts, or if we are going to let every roadblock and interruption convince us that somehow this is more difficult than it should be, right? And there's that word should that I I really don't like. (laughs) Love this journey that you're on. And I will say here that success is very empowering. So once you get started, once you start making changes, once you start simplifying, once you start treating your whole homeschool with more love with any of these suggestions that I've offered today, and you see the improvement and you feel the improvement, then that's very empowering. There are so many resources out there. I know I have resources. If you can find positive resources that make a positive impact in your homeschool, then seek those out, right? So fill your life with love. Look for the people who are telling you how to love it more. 
how to love life more, how to love your homeschool more, how to love your children more, because that is what we need in our lives to tip the scales more towards love, more towards joy. And so praise the process, praise this journey that you're on, knowing that every day you get to, first of all, be on this journey with your children. And second of all, you get to keep moving closer and closer towards loving as many minutes as you can in this lifetime. And we're setting an example for our children as well to make that choice, to choose love in what we do, in what we say, and in how we treat others, right? And so there's a lot to be said about purging and taking things out, but I really want you to own today that our choices matter and every choice that we make can move us towards the homeschool that we desire and the mood and the energy that we want for our homeschool and every choice that we make can sort of weigh us down on the negative side of the scale, right? So we get to choose whether we feel weighed down and burdened and overwhelmed with all the things and we don't even love them and we just have to do them or whether we can feel like we are full and overflowing on the other sides of the scales. We are just heavy with purpose and value and love. And I'd like you to start seeing your choices, even the smallest choices through that lens, because that will really help you be more intentional about what comes into your homeschool, be more intentional about what stays in your homeschool. And then you will start purging. You will start taking out those things that don't serve your homeschool in the way of propelling it towards love, right? You're going to want to then purge all the things that are not serving this purpose of increasing the love in your homeschool. And so in the end, when that purging happens, we simplify, we minimize, and we have so much more value in our homeschools. And with that, my friends, I am going to leave you for today and I am wishing you all the simple things. Bye now. If you'd like to help the Simple as a New Smart podcast be visible and easily found by other homeschoolers looking for simple, I hope that you will leave a great review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform, subscribe, and tell a friend. Thanks so much.